Welcome to the Inspire Church podcast. We hope this message will equip and empower you to reach your God-given potential. Inspire Church is all about loving God, loving people, and inspiring our world. Visit inspirechurch.com.au for more information. Turn me to Joshua 1 verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Now note this, it says, after the death of Moses. Then it goes on to say, then the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, my servant, is dead. Everybody say dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates. All the Hittite countries to the Mediterranean Sea and to the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. What a great promise, amen. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Now this is an incredible scripture because this is where Moses hands over influence to Joshua. Moses was a well-loved leader. Many of us know about Moses. Moses was the one that God used to deliver a whole generation of Israelites into the promise at the front door of the promised land. This is someone that God used to part the sea, to see the plagues come into Egypt, to stand against the most powerful man alive at that moment in history, Pharaoh. This is a remarkable person who wrote the Torah, someone who multiple religions look to as a voice of influence. This is somebody that even today we quote and we talk about. Moses we know we've seen, read, or watched movies and read books about what he did and his exploits. The issue then is we see Joshua comes next. We see that Moses had died, then God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, look at Joshua and his credentials. His credentials was that he was the aid. He was the help. He was the guy that got photocopies of documents. He's the guy that was serving Moses. He was doing all the things that, honestly, Moses didn't want to do. That is Joshua's qualifications for leadership. I think, I probably see myself in Joshua's shoes or through his eyes far more than I do Moses. You see, for me, I can relate to that because I didn't grow up in a royal family. I was saved at the age of five on my Transformers duvet. My mom led me to Jesus. And I didn't have this radical experience in terms of I was a gangster before the age of five or had these five-year-old tattoos or running this syndicate in my preschool. I didn't have any of that. I was just a regular kid that said yes to Jesus. And I've been following him ever since. You see, I'm a regular guy and I see Joshua much like I see myself. You see, I 
pay taxes, I take kids to the school bus, I do regular things just like you do regular things. I don't put out the recycling and suddenly it can bust and speaks to me about the direction of the Lord. I just put out the recycling. And see, I see myself in Joshua. And Joshua, I can imagine, probably would have been nervous about what he was about to do. Someone that didn't feel qualified about a new season that he was entering. He felt quite disqualified. So God had to declare to Joshua, Moses, my servant, was dead. Now note at the start of the chapter, it says Moses had died. Then it went on to say, hey, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, God was not informing Joshua that Moses had died. It was a declaration of an old season being done and a new season coming to pass. That the old is gone and the new has come. What was is not what is. That there is a change happening. That this is a new season. And the promise of that season is that I am with you and I go before you. So be strong and be courageous. See, some of you don't feel qualified about the very things that God has put on your life right now. And I think as believers, we have to become very good at embracing new seasons. Transitioning out of old seasons, even if we feel unqualified. You see, even when I came here and I became the young and old pastor here, I didn't feel qualified to do it. When I went to America and I took on what I did, I didn't feel qualified. When I became a lead pastor, I didn't feel qualified to do it. But can I tell you, I stepped out and did it anyway with the promise that God is with me and he goes before me. I think we as believers sometimes struggle with new seasons, with embracing new seasons. We see this where someone will move out of home and struggle moving out of home because they miss their mama's cooking. Or maybe you were single and you haven't transitioned, even though you were married, you have not transitioned into marriage. That you haven't embraced that current season. And many of us go into seasons with much anxiety and stress, lacking the ability to be present in that moment, in that season. And I think as Christians, we are called to change his mercies and new every day. He's called us, in essence, to go into new seasons and constantly be transformed. Therefore, we must be good at embracing new seasons as believers. And I believe we don't go into seasons and embrace seasons because we are not grateful for the assignment. You see, when I left Australia... I was leaving one place, but I got to tell you, I hadn't quite arrived in the new one. I had left, but not quite arrived. I had left, but not come. Here's the deal. The Bible says, the Bible says this. In 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, which means to declare, be a herald 
It's, uh, there was a herald that would stand in the corner declaring the news of uh, a war is coming or peace has come. And this is what the message is for every one of us believers. This is biblically not preaching. This is actually right now what I'm doing, teaching. Preaching is declaring, and you're called to declare the word over all that you do and everything you uh, are and everyone around you. And it says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Now, many of us know when we're in a season. We feel like it's a dry moment or a hard time. Or we know it's a time of success and prosperity. We know when we are in a season. I think where people get frustrated and lost is when we're out of a season. You're not in a season, but out of a season. And we're called to preach the word, not just when we're going through a season, because when you're sick, you know how to declare the word of God. When you're going through sadness, you know that God is your comforter. But it's just when you're out of a season, you feel a little bit lost. You know you've left, but you haven't quite arrived. Preach the word in season and out of season. I remember when I moved to Portland, Oregon. You've got to understand, Portland is not what you think of America. Most Aussies think of America as probably Texas with huge churches everywhere. This is one of the most, if not the most, unchurched city in America. Incredibly different to anything I'd ever experienced. And so we went there not knowing anybody. We moved there seven years ago to plant Resound Church. There were seven people in my living room, and that was it. That was our church. And I remember feeling in that moment like I had left one season in the Midwest, a great church of thousands of people, security, a big staff, a big area. It was incredible influence. I had left that, but I had not quite arrived in the promise of what God had called me to. And I remember in that time, feeling a tad bit lost. But I got to tell you, in that time, that is the greatest time to cling to Jesus, to fix your eyes on Jesus. Because that is the moment where you have to trust God because you don't have any other anchors that will help you or strengthen you. It is Jesus alone, church. You see, I think we have to be good at transitioning well. Managing transition in our life. I was flying uh, a few months ago from London Heathrow to Chicago. I was doing a layover through Chicago to get to Portland instead of flying direct. And when I did it, we, I, I, the pilot was remarkable. He got to the airport 40 minutes early. And I got to tell you, I just want two things out of a pilot. I want a pilot to get us there. Firstly, come on now. And I want him to get us there quickly. And so we got there quickly, 40 minutes early. And I remember landing, being very excited about getting there early. And the reason why I was excited, because I knew that I had enough time to hustle to my gate. And if I ran to my gate, I would get there and possibly catch an earlier flight. You see, my original flight got me getting back into Portland around 11.30 at night. This flight was much earlier, and it was getting me into Portland around 6.30. 
I knew if that had happened, if I got into this, uh, got onto this uh, uh, flight, it would be awesome coming home earlier. It would be awesome just being jet lagged, chilling with my family, saying goodnight to everybody. So I went up to the gate and I said, can I get on this flight? And he said to me, he goes, yes, you can. I'm like, come on, high five. This is a good day. And he said, just wait over in that seat and I'll set everything up. Just be patient there and I'll I'll work it out. I said, yes, this is awesome. In my mind, I'm pretty excited because it's, I know what's happening. I'm about to go home early, about to hug my babies. I'm about to go have fun. When I walk into the house, they'll probably be singing my praises, singing dad's home. He's an amazing dad. You know, my wife, Alyssa's probably baked me an awesome cake. Like, Luke, you're awesome on it. You know, I'm just picturing and imagining this awesome moment. And so I'm waiting and suddenly this guy comes up to me and says, you know, uh, it took a bit longer than I thought. I don't think you can catch this flight. And I said, buddy, <laughs> you said I could get on this flight. And he said, well, sorry, sorry, but I can't let you on here. It took too long. I said, buddy, that was not cool. And he turned his back on me and closed the door. And I was so, as mad as you could be without TSA kicking you out of the airport. So on the whole flight, I'm frustrated, I'm flying, and I'm flying mad, just like I'm not a happy camper at this point. I'm really not a happy camper. I'm flying, and I am mad. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what a goofy guy. I couldn't believe it. I had to pray, off, pray all this stuff off because I was frustrated. I was so frustrated, and I did not have a good attitude. I landed, I got home, took off my shoes, and then I stepped on one of the kids' toys. I was like, ah! It was like painful, and I was like mad, and I was just grumpy. And I got home, and I realized I actually got on the flight that I originally planned. All that changed was my expectation. I didn't get what I wanted. You see, we often don't journey through life well because we mismanage our expectations about a season. We don't manage what we believe about the season. See, there is a thing in church where we talk about the season. Like someone goes through a challenging day. Well, it's just a season, bro. A new day is coming, a new season's coming. As if the new season is a replacement to all your present problems. Here's the deal with going into a new season. You bring you into a new season. God is far more interested in you than just the season. Yet we talk about the season as if the season is our savior. You see, it's not the healing that is the promise. It's the healer that gives us the promise. It's not the provision, but church, it's the provider. It's about falling in love with Jesus. You see, it is not the season that will solve your problems. You see this with single people that believe that my life is dysfunctional right now. And I will marry a person that will rescue me out of my dysfunction. People do this with children, with a job. Well, that thing will fix who I am. Can I tell you, only Jesus will transform you. 
And it's Jesus, our eyes on Jesus, that champion what we do, that empower what we do. We see this with Peter. Peter is probably the greatest illustration of this. When Peter is in the boat and Peter says to Jesus, can I do that? Because he sees Jesus walking on water. He sees Jesus walking on water. I love that. Peter had a totally overinflated view of what he could do, right? Like, that is so cool. I can do that. That is so cool. You're walking on water. Can I do that? And he's audacious enough to get out. Now, some of you remember this story. He steps out and begins to walk on water. And listen, Peter walks on water. I've never walked on water. I've paddleboarded, but I've never walked on water. This is incredible. Then the Bible says he looked at the waves. The moment he looked at the waves, he sank. It's interesting to me that Peter began to drown in the very thing he was called to walk on because he stopped looking at Jesus. You see, it's the season that can make you drown. But it's Jesus who makes you walk. And can I tell you, in your life, look to Jesus, fall in love with Jesus over and over again and worship your spirit to God's spirit. In prayer, let your faith, man, be built up. Can I tell you, what is going to sustain you in any season is Jesus. It is the healer, his provider. Whatever you need, Jesus is there. It is Jesus. Jesus will sustain you in Jesus' name. See, Philippians says this, Philippians 3.12, not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of what Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, everyone say one thing. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining, straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in, in what? In Christ Jesus. So this is interesting because Paul says this. One thing I do is straining. Everyone say straining. Straining heavenward, right, towards Jesus and forgetting what is behind. So, Paul is either having trouble structuring a sentence or there's something powerful in this. Because when you introduce the word and, that's plural, which means more than one. So one thing I do is you cannot introduce an and or that's two things. So what is it? Is it one thing or two things? I think what it is, is one thing I do is straying towards heaven. When I focus on Jesus, I turn my back on the past. 
When I turn towards Jesus, I'm not looking at the waves. I'm not looking at what's behind me or around me. You see, you see this with Joshua. Joshua, God is calling him, look towards me and my strength and my ability. And what you do is you look towards me. You recognize that Moses is dead. The past is in the past. That season is done. You might have a great past season or a bad past season, but that season is done done, that my promises are yes and amen, that I go before you, I am your strength, I am your provider. See, the one thing we do is when we look to Jesus, you can't help but turn in your back on who you are, on who you were. So here are the key points. The first is Moses is dead. Let go of your past and move towards the future. Just remember, remember this. In every season that you go into, you will always be tempted with romanticizing the past and comparing that with your present. We see this in church. Now, young people, you may not experience this, but if you're older, maybe you graduated your college in the 90s, like we, us old men. But here's the deal. It is easy to look back and compare the highlight reels to our present day-to-day. Remember when the good old days. Remember when the church was just 50 people and I could get around the pastor. Remember the good old days when we used to. Remember when before we had kids. Remember before when we had all these things and we compare Highlight reels of the past to our present. Simon, I believe sometimes we just got to say Moses is dead. The past, though we celebrate it, let's not live in it. Let's be present in today in our assignment where God has called us to in Jesus' name. The next is to be strong. Everyone say be strong. Say it loud. Give it to me, church. Come on, be strong. Grow your spirit, man, and have resilience. One of the things I think that can happen in church life is we lack resilience, meaning lacking the strength to bounce back. In strength conditioning, one of the things you have to be good at is pain tolerance. You have to increase your pain tolerance to get stronger. The issue is a lot of us don't like pain, do we? Yet in order to be present in our season and in our assignment, we have to embrace pain to be strong and courageous. Here, let me illustrate. Most people like to avoid pain like crazy. And that's why in America, the opioid crisis is just unbelievable because people don't want to go through even the smallest amount of pain or anxiety. Yet God uses pain to shape us and change us. Pain is often used as an indicator of unhelpful things that we need to adjust. And a great example is in conflict. We see this where every relationship, you have commonality, you meet somebody. Then there's the next thing, which is celebration. You celebrate the relationship. Then you go from this celebration to some point of conflict. Two different people, two human beings that disagree in an area. That then is at the point whether you mature or walk away. Unfortunately, often we, because of the lack of, of the, because of the pain avoidance, instead of growing, we actually avoid it and we don't get strong and courageous. 
See, at some point you will be offended, you'll be hurt, but you have to push through that pain in Jesus' name. Grow stronger and stronger and stronger. The next is to be courageous. Don't be given to fear. Don't be given to fear. I'll tell you, moving out to a city where we had no money, no security, moving out to a city where we didn't know a soul was scary. But sometimes you just got to do things afraid. You got to break through that fear and say, I will not give you an inch. I'm going to, into this new season. I'm not going to, I'm going to be courageous and I'm not going to fear because I know God is with me and he goes before me, that he's preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That no matter how big the conflict is or the challenge, God is bigger. I'll tell you this, about three years into running the church, we didn't have a ton of money and we decided we found there's a building about the same size as this complex here that God spoke to my, uh, my wife and I about buying and we didn't have the money. But what we did is we had a level of audacity that said, if God is for us, who can be against us? If he's called us to it, let's do it. I called up the realtor and the realtor actually laughed at me and said, hey, they will not be interested in you. You do not have enough money. I said, you're right. We don't have enough money. And uh, I said, I'll probably laugh at me too. But I said, I'd like to talk to the owners. The owners called me up. The representative, the bank that owned this building said, we are very interested in you. We've been listening to you. We've been following you. And we want to work with you in buying the building. So about two years ago, we purchased this building, this beautiful $5 million building. I don't know if you'll know, but 50,000 square feet, it's quite a large building. And it's incredible because I'll tell you, at that moment, there's a lot of reason to be afraid, but we chose courage over fear. Then what we did this year is we purchased another building, another large building in Denver, Colorado, a beautiful city, influencing a lot of people every single week. See, many people saved and transformed. God is able, and it isn't just me doing it. It's the faith that God goes before me. All I have to do is be courageous enough to grab what God has got for me. I think many people don't write songs, don't start ministries, don't do things out of audacity because of a lack of courage. Church, be courageous. Don't be full of fear. Be full of faith of what God has called you to. I'll tell you, God's promise is a yes and amen. You don't have to be afraid. You can grab a hold of what God has got for you in Jesus' name. So be courageous, which leads me to the next thing is I land this plane. Know that God is with you. You can do whatever you, God is calling you to do with courage. Why? Because God isn't behind you or around you. He is inside of you and he moves through you. He is with you. Where you go, God goes. It's the belief system that I can do this because God is for me. He's not against me. I'm highly favored. God loves me. He's got a purpose and plan. The more you doubt that, the less courageous you will be. I was invited recently to the White House to get to speak to the senior White House officials, an incredible experience to speak into policy and it was just a remarkable moment standing in the White House in the West Wing, actually speaking to, being asked at my opinion and speaking into the future of the country. It was a remarkable experience. I remember in that moment, not being present in that moment, just feeling so overwhelmed with everything. And I remember God speaking to me, to be strong and courageous for I am with you. 
And I remember having in that moment that sense of God is with me. And that was the change point in which I got courage and I spoke with strength. And God spoke, literally spoke through my lips. There is something powerful when you know that you can be strong and courageous and church knowing that God is with you. Knowing that God's promises are yes and amen. And the last thing is surround yourself with people smarter than you. Come on, somebody. Amen. Surround yourself with people smarter than you. One of the things I do is I I mentor business people in my church. And one of the things I have found is this. People tend to believe that success in one area of their life means I don't have to improve in other areas of my life. I'm talking to men right now. Come on. You might succeed in your work, but that does not mean it replaces the need to improve in your marriage and your spiritual life. There is one area of your life where you need somebody to be your strength. Here's why we need people smarter than us. Because somebody else's old season is your new season. Come on. Somebody else's old season may be your new season. You see, maybe you're a young parent and you feel like you are drowning in babies right now. Why would you struggle by yourself when there's someone in this house that could help you through that journey? In your season, don't do it alone. As you transition through your season, do it with people because you're not alone. And I believe this. Be present in your assignment. Fall in love with Jesus. Let this year be a year where you embrace this year's season, all that God has got for you. If he's called you to it, be bold, be strong, be confident. Thank you for listening to this life-transforming message. For service times, upcoming events, or to find out more about Inspire Church, log on to inspirechurch.com.au.